Welcome to The Room of Lives. I'm your host, Neil. This is a conversation I had with May Moninghoff, a neuroscience student I met at the Vision Sciences Society annual conference at St. Pete's Beach, Florida. May got a bachelor's in cognitive science and computer science at UC Davis and works in Chris Baker's Brain and Cognition Lab in the National Institute of Mental Health. May is trans, poly, and has synesthesia, so I would say she's a very fluid person. I was presenting a poster at the conference, and May and her friends stopped by, and we started a conversation, and we exchanged some good vibes um, almost immediately. So eventually, May and I sat on the beach and had some recorded conversations. At night, we watched a blood moon eclipse from the beach, and I lost my sky blue hydro flask there. In this first part, May talks about being trans, how it shaped her life, her evolving understanding of herself and others, and ways to create a bridge of empathy between the LGBTQ and other minorities and the rest of the population. So I want to start first with a bit of a biographical overview. Okay. Who are you, May? Where do you come from? What oh has my. been your like brief? Uh, what was your like you know yeah. parents' childhood upbringing, life story so far? Mm. Um, you know, like getting into science. What have you done so far? Um, just to get like a kind of background. Background of yeah. who you are. Sure. Well, okay. So my name is May Modinghoff. Uh, I picked that first name. Yeah. It's my third name uh, that I've chosen for myself. Um, it turned out actually to be my great grandmother's name, and I didn't know that until after I'd already chosen it, uh-huh. which was a very amusing story that basically involved I was trying to pick my name, and um, I was telling my I, I was going by a name that wasn't my given name at this point, and I was telling my girlfriend at the time and my best friend, "Hey, I'm kind of." thinking about going by this other name that's May, you know, I, I like it. Um, and then I went home to visit my family, and they, they were the only ones that really knew about this, and I was kind of talking with my mom, and she mentions Grandma Akerd, who was my grandma, uh, or gr- her grandma. Um, and, like, she always has called her Grandma Akerd, but for some reason she said Grandma May. And I was like, what, who? On the same day that you were thinking about this? This is, so, like, two or three weeks prior, oh, okay, I had told okay. my girlfriend and best friend that this was something I was considering. So it's just, I don't know, it's just very, like, as soon as that happened, I was like, okay, that's my name. Yeah, yeah. It's I a little bit it. of a synchronicity. Yeah. And I had actually been named after her dad already. Yeah. So my given name was my grandfather's name. Yeah. And now my chosen name is my great-grandmother's name, her, yeah. his, his mother. Yeah. So uh, that was, I don't know, that feels very important to who I am now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it also exposes the fact that I'm a trans person. Mm-hmm. Um, I... I consider myself a non-binary trans person, so it's kind of hard to describe what that means. Um, but uh, I think for a while I thought I was a trans woman, mm-hmm. and I am. I'm on estrogen. You know, I'm I'm transitioning. I've been on estrogen for four years now. Actually, a week ago, Wednesday, uh, this past Wednesday was my rebirthday. That was marks four years of transition. Was your what? Rebirthday. Rebirthday. Yep. Ah, the day it's, of my it's a, the day that marks 
what exactly does it mark? Like when you say the day of your transition? It's the the, day, the first day I ever took hormones. It was ah. when I started hormones. Um, okay, okay, okay. Wow. And so, you know, it was like, it, it was just a very marked moment of change mm -hmm. and shift in my life where I became, uh, not that I became a new person, but I started a very new chapter in the person that I am. And uh, it's, I don't know, like it's one of those things that a lot of, uh, a lot of the impacts of transition can be measured in time, like the research and things like that. So you can expect these results in these time frames, you know, so like you, because you basically go through another puberty, you go through second puberty. Um, and if you've already gone through second puberty in your late 20s, early 30s, you go through third puberty when you start hormones. Um, and so, you know, it, it felt important to keep track of and it was also exciting. And, you know, we like to celebrate our um, rebirth states. Yeah, well, I was getting at like our important moments, you yeah. know, like our thing, life shifts, you know, like you celebrate an anniversary, you celebrate a birthday, you celebrate these things that mark the passage of time. So, yeah. So I have some, <laughs> I have some more questions about, you know, being trans, sure. like some yeah. very basic questions. Like as you were growing up, what was it that was kind of like an early clue or something like that that made you feel like hey hang on a sec in this particular way I'm not really like other people yeah. and I feel like something could you like kind of give me like a you know being transferred dummies version or yeah. just I'm like good a in that real, one. yeah 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I I um you know I think it's something that I always kind of like knew implicitly and I'm a very pragmatic person like I'm kind of realistic and when something you know feels wrong in my life or like something bothers me I think about whether I can change it or not and if I can change it I say do I want to and if I want to I do something about it and if I don't I don't and either way I'm resolved uh, and if I can't change it then you know the question becomes like can I accept it and if not what does that mean you know and usually the answer is I will accept it because if I can't change it not that I don't want to change it but if I can't change it uh, or I feel like I can't change it then I'm like there's no use letting it bother me Mm. Um, and so I think as a young person, I was aware that I wasn't aware that I was trans. Like I didn't understand the concept of trans, mm. but I knew that I was a woman. I knew you that knew I, it. I knew it. I just knew it. Like, as I felt far it. back as your memory goes. Oh or? yeah, I remember like being like five or six and uh, mm. thinking like I was raised Christian and mm. um, I'm I'm still very spiritual, but I'm not. I I don't practice organized religion. Were, were you raised like very Christian or? Uh, I wasn't like Catholic. No, okay, okay, okay. Um, we were we were. Protestant and so that tends to be like the looser of Christianity overall yeah. uh, and we go to church regularly my parents aren't like die hard you know like they believe in God it's very important to them but I think that we um, we're, we're this like for me what feels like a very special form of spirituality where it's like it's about the kindness it's about the love it's about uh, the hope you know and things like that and it's rarely about the sin or the, the wrongness, unless the sin or the wrongness is being unkind. You know, mm -hmm. like it's, you, you are good to others, you share, mm -hmm. you take care of people, you listen, you're, you're humble. You know, yeah. like these, these were the kind of things that they really cared about. Mm -hmm. um, but so I remember as a really young person thinking, thank God heaven exists because one day I'll die and then I'll get to have my real body in heaven. Ah. And I thought that Why at like five. Why do you think that? Because you're like, heaven is a place where like things are just 
you know, like the ideal that I would, yeah. you would like to have. And this world is kind of imperfect. And one of the yes. clearest ways that this is imperfect for me is that I'm not exactly in the right, right. body. So heaven should be like that. It's, yeah, That's exactly. That's so interesting. And, and to me, heaven was always like this mind palace kind of place where you could do whatever you wanted. Anything yeah. was valid. Um, and you could have what you wanted. You could be who you wanted. You could be around who you wanted. Like it's almost like the you know the world of your dreams, and that seems a little too hedonistic for some people's imagination of maybe, heaven. Maybe, yeah, maybe. <laughs> and I, I, I mean, that gets into a whole another topic. Yeah, about yeah like I know, what I know. I, I kind of wanted like to refer, uh, reserve yeah. that for later. You, you yeah. mentioned that in your email about, hey man, like just do what you want to do as long as you're being kind. Well, we'll it's get true. to that later. Yeah, yeah. But um, I mean, there is a place for hedonism to some degree. I think like it can, when you when you struggle to. Uh, value your own desires and wants I think practicing hedonism can be something that's very powerful but if you're the kind of person who puts themselves first to the expense of others hedonism is a very slippery slope into a dangerous place you know so and everything's kind of this double-edged coin I think I'll, I will often reframe things in this these alternating perspectives of like here's the good here's the bad um, and so you know I think as a young trans person I did that as well where it like kind of felt like okay you know when you're born you get like it's almost like an R rpg like you have like you get this chance to allocate stats and you don't actually get a choice of like how many points you start with uh or where they go they're just like some other external factors you know like your ancestry and your culture decide those things for you and your genetics like and some interplay of them like they spend those points but of course i didn't think of it so scientifically as a kid but i was like you know, I feel like I kind of got pretty lucky. Like, I got a lot of points, and I liked where they went, mostly. Except for in some few categories that were, like, very bad. You know, such as being trans, right? Where, like, I felt mm -hmm. so... It, and it's almost like, you know, like, you, you get something because you something caught was costed. You know, like, you, you incur a struggle or a hardship or a pain, and you get rewarded for it. You know, like, other things benefit from that that struggle and, and that's obviously not always the case you know some people like some suffering is just senselessly violent you know it's mm. just suffering that no one benefits from no one gains anything from and it's just sad mm. but uh i don't i don't i tend to have a very silver linings perspective i like it's what i have control over you know my perspective mm -hmm. and i think uh, that part of the reason that i have that silver linings perspective is well first of all my mom has never had a bad day in her life that's just the kind of person she is like wow. even her bad days she's like always looking for a positive spin, you know, and that's how she gets through her life. You know, she's always trying to cultivate hope inside of herself. So that being said, I feel like uh, that's a perspective I adopted really early on. And it's how I got through the experience of being dysphoric and feeling like I didn't fit. And it, when I was young, it didn't feel like a painful thing necessarily. It felt wrong, like something felt weird about it. But it, I think it was, I feel more strongly gender euphoria than gender dysphoria what is gender euphoria um it's kind of like the opposite of gender yeah. dysphoria and dysphoria being like oh my body parts feel wrong you yeah. know so like the fact that i grow facial hair or that i'm so tall or um that i have you know whatever facial features i have or whatever uh, anatomy that i have feels wrong and bad um versus gender euphoria which is like the idea of having this other anatomy or this other structure or this other emotional experience feels very enticing. It feels very good. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so it's, you know, another one of those two sides of a coin kind yeah, of things yeah, 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 where yeah, yeah, yeah. most trans people experience some mixture of the two. Yeah. But I think... It reminds me a little bit about how you were describing your parents' kind of religion or spirituality yeah. where it was like 
focused more on the kind of like the optimistic or the bright yeah. side or the absolutely uh, n less about the not this and not this and more about what what can you be, be? yeah, yeah what, what do you yeah. want yeah no yeah. you're right that's very true absolutely yeah. So I think that for me, it's always been about what am I walking towards versus what am I running away from. So did you tell your parents about this as a kid? No. Yeah. no, I didn't. Well, I didn't know what a trans person was, and like I said, I was very pragmatic. Yeah. So I looked at my character sheet and I said, "Well, I don't think I can change that one, so I'm going to get over it." And I moved but on. Did you say anything about, "Hey, I don't feel okay in my body," or like you know, kids' terms or things no, like that? I don't, I don't think feel so. like I'm a man. I'm a boy. Nothing like that. No, I and and that's the thing. It goes back to like I kind of feel like a non-binary person. Where if I had been born AFAB, uh, if, if I had been born female, um, AFAB is uh, assigned female at birth and AMAB oh, okay. is assigned male at birth. So they're acronyms that can be used and so I think some people don't like them. It's, it's with trans people, like everyone kind of has a different pre preference of what they describe. But I think for me, the experience of being a socialized male trans person and a socialized female trans person are notably different. So when discussing non-binary identities, I think... I would never use these as ways to out people, but as a trans person discussing what it feels like to be trans, I think when I discuss my experience with non-binary AFAB people, it's notably different. We were treated by the world differently, and there's a way to describe that with, you know, these terms. And that, so that's how I use them. And some people, not a huge fan of them, and I get that. Uh, I would not use them for someone who wasn't comfortable with them, and I wouldn't use them to out someone who didn't want to be outed. But um, as I discuss myself, I will use them. And so... Um, Oh uh, gosh, why did I bring that up? Um, I think I was saying, did you ever talk about this with your uh, parents? And you were like, no, you know, I didn't know what yeah. like, the trans thing was. Okay, I yes, what, yeah. I get where I was headed. And where I was headed was that I think had I been born AFAB, if I had been born a woman in the first place, I still would have been non-binary. Yeah. Like I would have not, I, I don't identify very strongly with the social role of women, but I do identify with the physiological experience of being a woman. Um, and I think there's actually a lot of women who don't identify themselves as non-binary who resonate with that statement. I know lots of people who exist somewhere on the non-binary spectrum, but don't necessarily claim the identity label for themselves. But uh, they, they just claim an expanded definition of womanhood. Your you know? thinking and uh, articulation of this is very like kind of clarified and mature. Yeah. How did you get to this point? <laughs> I just like to think a lot. Um, I just, I don't know. I, I like to convey myself to people a lot. Yeah. And I, you know, you've kind of talked earlier, you recognize something in me in that, like, I almost pursue being different to some degree. Yeah. Uh, but I don't like feeling disconnected. Like, I was never antagonistically different. Mm -hmm. You know, I wanted to be different because I liked being unique and I liked having novel perspectives. Um, and I, I like people so much. I really <laughs> like people. Um, and I think that, like, I, w I just spend a lot of time like analyzing and trying to come up with ways to convey things. Yeah. And my dad is very big into analogies. He likes to make these like subtle comparisons where he says it's like this. And then you give someone an example that feels intuitive to them. Mm -hmm. And so I think I spent, um, I, I, I try to be humble. So I, I but I, in, in the context of doing this podcast and like talking with you, I, I will make statements about myself that yeah. I think tend to be true. And I think that I, I tend to be a, a rather insightful person, someone who has um, has the ability to see into people and yeah. what they're like and what they know and what they think yeah. and what they feel. And I try to use that to modify myself and code switch my behaviors and what I'm trying to say 
into a way that I think they'll understand based on what I know about their priors. Yeah, yeah. But my question was not just about you explaining things clearly to me, uh-huh. but also being able to understand clearly for yourself what's going on. There, mm. you just mentioned two different dimensions. One was physiologically, you feel more like a woman, mm. but socially and culturally it was something else. Yeah. And I think for a lot of people, especially when their experience doesn't match up to what most people's experiences are, yeah. what most of human vocabulary and teaching and education mm-hmm. is about, mm-hmm. then they may end up just having like a weird, cloudy, mu- muddy, ambiguous... They don't know how to describe it. There's mm-hmm. no trans education in schools where they, you learn this concept like, oh, yeah. wait, hang on a sec, there's like three dimensions to this. Where am I on each of these dimensions? <laughs> so you had to figure it yeah. out for yourself? Absolutely. Yeah, okay. yeah um, I mean, so you could... Yeah, trans women really love to discuss a lot of these things. Yeah. So if you if you engage with trans politics and if you engage if you if you follow trans people, yeah. they will talk about these things a lot amongst themselves. Yeah. Um, and I, I tend to avoid discourse as a whole, but I would say that like I carry discourse inside of myself. Like I, I spend a lot of time just like trying to take an objective viewpoint and trying to reframe my perspective. And every time I have a perspective, I think how can I have a different perspective on this? How can I flip this around and see it from a drastically different perspective that is just as true? Um, and yeah. so I think that that kind of yeah. practice leads to, it's a mindful practice, you know, and it's a, it's a ego death kind of practice where yeah. you're willing to look yeah. at yourself and try to see yourself in a, in a true light. And also, you know, I've spent a lot of time, I, don't, I couldn't have said what I said to you just now four years ago. When I first came out, I didn't know those things, you know, I couldn't have said them the same way, mm-hmm. but I've spent so much time explaining myself to others, explaining myself to myself, uh, seeking understanding of myself, seeking understanding of others, seeking to be understood by others, that the words just kind of come now, you know, and I, I, I think there was a time when I identified as a trans woman and I swung very hard towards it and it felt wrong, like it didn't feel quite right. Um, so I swung back towards non-binary, but I never wanted to stop estrogen I never wanted to stop transitioning because actually the problem for me was that I liked masculinity I liked sometimes I like being perceived as a man I like being perceived confusingly Um, I think if I was born a woman I would have felt happier with my body but less happy with my social role you know I think there's a lot that I learned being socialized male that I still like to employ that still benefits me that I still I still carry myself like a man in many ways Uh, and not that's not to say that all trans people do this but I do um, and so, you know, recognizing that I had this dissociation between what I felt like my body was and how I wanted to be treated was, was very useful. I wish people would perceive me as a woman first and then as a degendered being. Yeah. You know, I think I wish that sometimes people would treat me like they treat women without me having to explain to them that I'm one. Mm-hmm. Um, and having this non-binary presentation uh, doesn't get me there as easily as I'd like you know I think people first realize that they think I'm a man and then they realize wait maybe you're non-binary but actually what I want them to do is kind of like jump to the other side you know I need (laughs) the default yeah like I need that it's like it's easier if I can you can see it but I'm also imagining a line and obviously gender is not linear but if you're imagining a line where like man is on one side and woman is on the other it's like I was born on the man side and then I I wanted to like jump over to the woman's side yeah. all the way to the yeah. opposite end so that I'm perceived first as a woman and then I wanted to walk into the center <laughs> you know and I think a lot of people are more likely to perceive that I'm on the left side and I, or I'm left being male for me because that's how I'm referencing it um, they, they perceive me as 
from the male side having walked to the center. Mm -hmm. But actually for me, it was more like I jumped over to the opposite end yeah. and then walked to the center. And that feels a lot more true to my identity and like the kind I of really appreciate how you're like so straightforwardly and, 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 and clearly explaining this to me. <laughs> it feels like I'm, 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 I'm walking with you in a landscape yeah. that's not just filled with landmines and trip switches about oh my god <laughs> when are we what gonna, are you gonna yeah, say yeah when like oh, am I gonna like offend you or something yeah. this is just like sure. a very hey guys come on in here I'm just gonna explain gonna, to you let me yeah, show you on your left here is this and blah, welcome blah. to my crib <laughs> yeah, yeah. let's go um, so this is something that I mentioned before while we were not, not on a recorded conversation mm -hmm. But I was thinking about this is I can't help like mentioning this again. I feel like mm. you have this kind of like fearlessness in you. Mm. Like you make yourself and your identity and you're talking about it in a lot of, I mean, there's no like shame and hiding about it. Mm. Like at least not no, as I, appreciate I see that. it. And, and, and there's this like kind of fearlessness, which I feel I'm like really appreciating. <laughs> and I think, um, thank you. It makes conversation and understanding a lot better. I agree. But, but this is something that I pointed out in the beginning. It's like, like my first thought when I saw this, I was like, this person must have been like kind of loved and, yeah. and affirmed I was gonna, by... If you didn't bring it back to that, I was going to bring it back myself because that is what you said. Yeah, because a lot of the time I feel like the fucking big deal about being a gender minority or whatever is not as much about what particular kind of zoo creature am I, but about... <laughs> That fact that I have been made to feel not just like by society at large, but also the people who are supposed to be closest to me yeah. and your own self yeah. in like a really kind of weird way. Yeah. And so Absolutely. I feel like that gives rise to a lot of those weird mental funks and complexities then. Yeah, it totally does. You have to sit and work out, you know. I, I do feel really lucky. You know, I talked about my family and, and it wasn't without its problems. Um, yeah. There are, are ways that, like, it was hard to be trans, that, like, my family didn't understand. My family was raised in a generation that, like, didn't really understand mental illness and didn't really, like, they thought of it as something that meant, like, something had gone wrong. Like, yeah. they had done something wrong if I was mentally ill. Yeah. And so I, I think for a long time I felt kind of afraid to talk about it, but... We might have to get a little bit farther away from that. That's yeah, mess that's, stuff you up. think so? <laughs> yeah, I do think so. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, let me finish this point real yeah, quick yeah, yeah. and then we can travel away yeah i'm gonna um, is it okay if i just hold this up to your yeah here i'll put it i'll that. just lay it by me yeah um i don't know if it will actually be picking it up we can pause after this and yeah. check it um but um i think uh i was very lucky to be raised by people who love me very implicitly and i think that gave me a lot of this like unshakable firm foundation to build myself on top of where it doesn't feel like people can take it from me yeah you know? nice yeah no and i, like and I actually I like being trans yeah, yeah you do yeah i know that feeling in, in certain contexts yeah. where uh, i see people struggling with an externalized insecurity yeah and then i've kind of struggled to explain it to them i'm like you know there are times when i have realized all of this is trumped by the fact that i know that i uh, love myself yeah and that I'm worth it yeah and then these externalized things this person said this or that person thinks this thing they about me away. it's just it, like it doesn't matter you no, know it might matter to fair. them it doesn't matter to no, me no you have you it's so true you feel like yeah safe inside of yourself and you protect yeah. yourself and 
it's something that I, I wish I could give to people yeah. when they don't have it I, and I, I'm so thankful and I try to help people find that security yeah. in themselves it's why I like to talk about this sort of thing Yeah. because I just it doesn't hurt me and nothing that I say can be used against me because I know me. Yeah. And no one can... It doesn't matter what people think about me. It doesn't matter if people use the right pronouns or if they treat me the way I want to be treated or not because actually it's their loss if they don't get it. Yeah. You know, if, they're not, if they don't see me as I am, they're yeah. missing a wonderful facet of me. <laughs> and that doesn't hurt me. Yeah. That doesn't take anything away from me. It's yeah. only their loss, you know. And yeah. so, I, I don't know. I just let them live their lives and I, I do mine. And... Yeah. You were really kind of being taught. We were talking about this sense of safety and love that you feel in in being yourself. And I think related to this is something that we talked about before, is bringing empathy into the conversation or bridge building between like LGBT people and... Uh, muggles muggles <laughs> uh, those blessed with our presence <laughs> did you just come up with that yeah. <laughs> yeah so we were kind of talking about this before is that uh, I feel a lot of people don't want to touch these issues with a 10 yard pole right. because they're like they're afraid oh, of the so- backlash yeah, they're, they're yeah. going to be like, hey, you are a something-ist. Yeah. Um, and uh, you go to hell, and we're going to shame you on the internet, or uh, and we're going to tell everyone about how you are, uh, you know, misogynist. It feels like uh, just 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 everywhere is just like trip switches. You yeah. don't know. Well, fortunately, I'm trans, so I have a trump card, and I can say whatever I want. Nice. At least about transness. <laughs> That's not true, but... Yeah. <laughs> no, I... I uh, I get frustrated with discourse. You know, I think I think there's a lot of value in discussing these things. Yeah. Um, but actually, a lot of the discussion that happens does not have value. It is not not that it doesn't have value, but uh, the the point of the discussion is actually not to make things better. It's just to let out your feelings. And um, sometimes that's nice. Sometimes it's necessary. People are mad and frustrated and hurt for a lot of really good reasons. But I think um, if you want. If you want to make positive change, if you want to make progress, uh, I think uh, black movements, I think, really understand this in that, like, you, if you want to make progress, you actually have to put your ego away a little bit. You know, you have to, you have to be willing to deliver your message in a way that the other people can't just chuck it out, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think when you get mad, when you get upset, when you start lashing back out, you know, it it gives them ammo to yeah. disregard your yep. position. Yeah. Um, and it also, there's it, a lot it of... It affords them the ability to ignore the bigger point of what you're yes. making by pointing out the smaller point of, did you see what, how, the tone or the, the so thing that he said? Yes, you're rude. Yeah. You didn't... You didn't yeah. And, and it, it shouldn't be the responsibility yeah. of an oppressed population to uh, deliver their message in a way that feels good to hear. Yeah. But unfortunately, it's just more likely to be heard. I mean, yeah. and, and not even unfortunately, because, you know, when, when it's not, when we're not talking about transness or blackness or what have you, whatever, whatever these uh, intersections are, um, you know, let's say you and I just 
get in a disagreement, right? Yeah. Like, you and I are just mad at each other. If I come to you hot and pissed off, you know, we're going to just, we're going to wrestle it out. And maybe that needs to happen a little bit. Mm-hmm. But if I came to you and I said, uh, hey, Neil, you know, like, I, I, I see, I know that you're upset. I know that something that I did hurt you. But something that you did also hurt me, and I just, I want to talk about that. You know, I want to, I want to connect about that. I want to apologize for the ways that we misunderstood one another. I think you're going to get a lot farther. Mm-hmm. That's what I think. You know, I mm-hmm. feel, I feel more successful when I'm willing to put my ego aside and apologize. Mm-hmm. You know, even if it's for something small. Even if I was the one that got hurt first. Yeah. You know, if I want to be heard, usually what happens is like, you know, say, going back to this example of you and I getting in a fight, you say something that bothers me, that gets under my skin, but I don't react right away, and then later on I lash out a little bit in response, mm-hmm. and now you feel hurt, but you don't know that I was responding yeah. to your original thing, so you feel hurt now, and technically I got hurt first, so I was justified, but like, <laughs> who cares? Why does that matter? Yeah. Because right now both of us are hurt, and if, if, if uh, you come to me and you say, well, May, what you did really upset me, and I say, well, you hurt me first, so I don't care that I hurt you. Mm. Uh, we're not going to get anywhere, mm-hmm. you know. And, and oh, man, but, but you're so justified in feeling upset and frustrated. And the fact that you hurt me first doesn't invalidate your frustration, you know. Yeah. Um, so, anyway, I don't know if that analogy comes across perfectly. But it's just this idea of, like, I feel very willing to set myself aside and apologize, even for something small. You know, like, if I think I was right first, I'll come in and I'll say, hey... I've got this problem. I want to apologize because I think there are these like ways that I haven't carried myself properly. And and it's it's this concept called a slight concession. And if you're willing to make a slight concession, the other person is also often willing to make a slight concession. And um, and then those concessions can compound to where you're actually hearing each other again. But if neither of you is willing to budge at all, then you're not going to make any progress. Someone has to budge first. And And I'm, again, going back to why I was okay with being trans is like I can only really control me I can influence others and my my actions have impact but at the end of the day I'm the only one who can, I can decide to do something different yeah you know and so when I'm when I'm frustrated I try to do that because I can make it easier on everyone and do you usually find this kind of empathy like easy or easier than the next person I think so yeah and, uh, I think it comes really easy to me yeah. that's crazy that's crazy in the sense that that's like a crazy big deal for me because <laughs> I feel like that's one of uh, this is something that I wanted to be a little bit vulnerable about yeah sure and talking about myself is that uh, I feel like I have a I have a, a lot of room to grow in that direction uh, yeah um, you find it hard to forgive people when... Yeah. Yeah. And everyone does. I mean, yeah. you're not alone. Not at all. So many people feel that way. Even if outwardly I don't make much noise, I've gotten better at that. Yeah. At outwardly not being, like, angry or Holding mean. Holding it back a little bit. Inside, there's a fucking tornado going on. Yeah. Two voices. One is, like, you should have been... You should have... You should have put... Put your foot on the ground a little bit harder yeah. there, buddy. And the other, the other one. voice is like, man, look at yourself. You, you so think mean. you're on a spiritual path? Yeah. yeah. Huh? Look at all this anger. <laughs> Your face is all tight and, you know, you're not beyond this. And That's that's really common, actually. It happened this morning. I was telling you about this guy that I got, like, mad about. And I shot him, like, a kind of, like, I would say yeah. to be very fair and respectful uh-huh. towards myself. <laughs> I was not 
exactly just mean and angry in the email or in the text most of it was just a very firm expression yeah, sure. hey i am upset because of this reason and in a way that's still better than what i used to do where earlier just i would just out. yell and then i read a book called nonviolent communication <laughs> <laughs> and now and it e- worked even when no it didn't completely work but it it, it has seeped in a little yeah, bit yeah. more even when there is violence i try to say hey this is what happened this is how i feel these are my needs this is not being respected so instead of just making an like like an angry chimpanzee sound <laughs> i i i, I, woo, woo, woo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I tr- it's at least peppered lightly with useful bits of information about what happened <laughs> why did i feel this way what could be better next time god damn it yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, uh, that's, but that's I still good. feel like a lot of struggle about this. It, you know? But that's great work. I mean, like, not you can't change things just like that. You know, like about yourself. Like, we're our brains are physical beings. Our, our minds and our emotions they they like take time to move. You know, like you think about like oh you're moving in, you're moving in your house. You got to keep going back and out. You got to keep going, getting stuff, bringing it in. Go get more stuff, bring it in. You got to put effort into moving things. Yeah. And then at some point, things have been moved. <laughs> But you can't just like pull up with the car and be like, "Okay, moving," and then like it's done, right? Yeah. You have to work slowly. And then once you get everything inside, then you start unpacking it. It becomes a mess. You start arranging it, and like, but you make progress over time. Yeah. And I think that what you've just described is yourself making that what progress, right? And yeah. and that that work of getting better at stopping the angry chimpanzee sound yeah and choosing to say something level-headed soon that becomes second nature yeah. and then you get to start working on something else that you like even better than yeah. that you know something uh, that is actually helpful is that mm-hmm. it's not a completely tactless job as thankless i keep or tactless 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 yes as yes. i keep moving in this direction the gears are not grinding against each other internally yeah. the f- internal friction is reducing i am yeah. more at peace with myself yes. i feel better and more respectful Amazing. towards the person that i am yeah. the pain in my facial area that is like my baseline existence is reducing yeah. and my overall level of happiness yeah. and even when there is conflict if i feel like there was actually a conflict with um, this kind of girl that i was sort of with until a couple of days before I came to the conference oh, and wow, that's there was raw. A, yeah but um we were kind of in like a weird twilight zone yeah um well I'm not going to get into the details of it because it's not very relevant but we had like a sort of fallout with each other hey uh, spence nice evening huh yeah oh it sure is my friend yeah. <laughs> enjoy it see yeah. ya see ya <laughs> so i had a kind of fallout which from certain perspectives yep. pretty sure from hers at least was like a big deal of a fallout but i notice that i don't have too much lingering you feel um, resolved i feel resolved in the sense that i felt like throughout that entire thing i yeah. did not do anything that i feel bad about i felt like the ways in which i acted yeah were completely aligned with what i believe are my principles good and And so there's nothing left to do. Yeah, there's nothing yeah. left to do and I think the right steps to take yeah for me are the ones that I took and if the outcome of that is that this relationship is not going to go in this particular direction then so be it. That's okay. And I think if I had to make those compromises in order to go in that direction my face would start filling up with that tension due to the consequences that yeah. would happen. So I noticed that wow, I'm like 
I'm being kind of light just and free in liberated on. in ways that I did not expect in the past. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of coming out of a, a process of trying to align myself with my values uh-huh. and being able to sacrifice some of the lower hanging things. Right. It's easy and, to get mad and it yeah. feels good right away, but yeah. long term it honestly doesn't usually feel so good. And yeah. your body starts to learn like, hey, actually I like I, I like this long term reward a little better. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and I think I think with time and iteration the long term reward hits earlier. Yeah. When you're like, oh hey, hang on, remember this? You're feeling kind of bad about this, but you did this. You thing. start this expecting gonna, it yeah. sooner. Yeah. yeah. And so you, it's easier to continue on that path because you yeah. know that you will be rewarded for the effort. Yeah. Thanks for joining me and me today in the Room of Lives. In the next part of our conversation, we discuss the idea of holding lightly in relationships and even in science. Mm-hmm.